We're now in the season of Advent, and in many ways, Advent symbolizes the present situation of the church in these last days as God's people wait for the return of Christ. And as we wait, we're challenged to not be fearful, to not be afraid. We're encouraged to hope. So as you listen to this four-part series, our desire is that you'll be encouraged to have hope and not be afraid. Good morning. My name is Andreas. I'm the associate pastor here at ECC. And today we're kicking off a four-part series titled, Do Not Be Afraid. In this series, we're remembering how God invites us to not be afraid by cultivating hope, peace, joy, and love. And today we'll be looking at that first one, hope. Throughout the whole series, we'll be looking at how an angel or angels visit a group of people that aren't expecting a heavenly visit. And today, we'll be looking at that first encounter. And today, my hope is that we, together, as a community, can hold on to hope. We'll be reading from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And to give some context of what's happened so far, the author Luke, telling the story of Jesus, doesn't actually start with Jesus' birth. He first talks about a different couple a woman named Elizabeth, who was barren, who had trouble conceiving a child her whole life, who, in a miraculous way, had now conceived. And then Luke turns his attention to another woman, Elizabeth's cousin, who wasn't expecting pregnancy at all. She was much younger, in her teens. So I'll be reading from Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message, because I want to get you a sense of the story instead of focusing on specific details. And as I do that, I want you to be imagining, what would Mary be feeling when all this happened? What would she be hoping for? What would she be anticipating? And so, with that in mind, as you think about those things, let me read. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God, he has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He'll be great, be called son of the highest. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he'll rule Jacob's house forever. No end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've, I've never slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will hover over you. Therefore, the child you birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son old as she is? Everyone called her barren, but now she's, she's six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all. I am the Lord's maid ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. Then the angel left her. Wow, what a story. I ask you to imagine what, what Mary was feeling throughout this story. So let me pause for a second 
for you to reflect on that. What was she feeling? What was she anticipating? What was she hoping for in this encounter? So let's examine those feelings together. Can you imagine what Mary would be feeling at the moment the angel shows up in her room? Probably fear at first. I mean, if a strange heavenly being entered your room, wouldn't you be afraid? I know I would. We sometimes think about angels as these nice, kind beings, but some strange he heavenly being? Oh my goodness. What would, that would definitely cause fear. But then he says, do not be afraid. And some of that fear probably passed in some mystical, miraculous way. But then the next thing she understandably fears, not fears, feels, is probably confusion. I mean, she says to the angel, but how is this possible? I've never slept with a man. How am I going to become pregnant? But then the angel tells her about her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant as an old day, and assures her nothing impossible with God. And then, I don't know how she does it, but at that moment, Mary fully trusts him. More importantly, she fully trusts God and puts her hope in him. She says, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say. Wow, what trust is that? Not just trust in a certain future, but trust in God, ready to serve him. Her trust in him turned all that fear and confusion into hope. And that's my desire for us this Advent season as well, that our fear and our confusion will turn into hope. So my question is, how does that happen? How can we trust God in a way that turns our fear and our confusion into hope? And to, to be honest with you, preparing this sermon has been quite timely for me. I mean, the new uptick of cases in the pandemic, the fact that many of us are grieving or suffering, the disappointment, and the fact that we've just had a lot of confusion and fear, especially as we don't know what the future holds. So in the midst of all this, how can we trust God in a way that turns our fear and our confusion into hope? There's so much to say on this, but one important thing that I want to emphasize this morning is seeing hope not as expectation, but as anticipation. Often when we talk about hope, we're quite specific in what we hope for in a way that we have expectation and not anticipation. Christmas gifts are a great example of that. If we expect a specific gift from someone, then often we end up only being happy when we get that specific gift and disappointed with everything else. On the other hand, when we're just anticipating the joy of Christmas, no matter what that looks like, it may this year not even look like with family, but if we just anticipate the joy of Christmas with no expectation, then maybe that hope, that anticipation will turn into joy and gratitude no matter what happens or what we get. Let me give you an example of expectation when it comes to, to gifts. 10 years ago or so, I was uh, living with my parents and there's a lot of talk in my family about getting a flat screen TV. Most of our friends and society in general had moved on to flat screen TVs, but we had stuck to our old small box TV, if, if that's what you call it, I don't really know. So there was a lot of talk, especially amongst the men, the, my dad, my brother, and myself, about how we love a flat screen TV. That way we could at least see the puck on the screen or see the football and not have to squint as we watch our sports. So one day, we're at our grandparents for a celebration, and they say, we have this really special gift for you. But 
it's quite big, so we have to we have to get it from downstairs. At this point, we kind of look at each other and think, "Ooh, is this what we think it is? Are they are they bringing up a flat screen TV? They know we've been wanting one for a while, and they've always been really generous with us. They still are, and so so giving us this TV is exactly what we're expecting and nothing else. And then they come up the stairs and they've got this big white box, you know those large white boxes, and we're like, oh my goodness, we're so excited. There it is, the flat screen TV. They give it to my dad and he takes it into his lap, this large box, and he smugly says, I wonder what this is, fully knowing that we're all expecting one thing. But then he opens the box, instead of a flat screen TV, he pulls out a large folding table. Oh my goodness, the disappointment on our faces couldn't be contained. To go from expecting a flat screen TV to getting a folding table is just one of the most disappointing outcomes. I'm sure many of you have had experiences like this where you expect one thing and are so sure you're gonna get it, but when you don't, it's hard to hide your disappointment. Because that expectation wasn't built on hope. It was expecting something specific, which wasn't good. And we do this with God as well. As God as well, we, we pray sometimes with a specific thing we want for God. And in our hope or our Christian needs for hope, we sometimes put God into a box and say, God, we want this specifically. And if that doesn't happen, we get disappointed. But that's not hope. That's putting our all-loving, all-knowing God in that box and expecting him to act in a certain way that we want, not in accordance to his love. But Christian hope is so much better. In Christian hope, we anticipate a God who will move, who will act, who will love us no matter what and possibly not in the way we expect. Christian hope is anticipating that God will act in accordance to his love, not our expectations. God gives us so much better things than expectation. He gives us anticipation. By anticipating and looking forward what God will do, even though we may not know what it looks like, we can have hope. We can have hope because God's primary characteristic is love. We can trust him like Mary did and look forward and anticipate how we will work in new ways in his timing, not our own. Think of Mary's anticipation. She was being promised the savior to her people, so much to anticipate for. She doesn't seem to have specific expectations. Instead, most of her language is about how she trusts God and has placed her hope, her trust in him, not her own plans and expectations. Take a, it takes a lot of trust to anticipate what God will do no matter what, no matter what the future holds. I mean, Mary did that. She doesn't know what, who this angel is in her room bringing greetings and a message of God's favor. I mean, she doesn't know why she was chosen for this role. She doesn't know when he promises a savior. She doesn't know what that will look like. She doesn't know what her child will become, even though she does have some hints. She doesn't know how her child will change the world. She doesn't know how her heart will expand, ache, swell, and break for her child. She probably can't imagine what her child will end up doing, perform 
miracles. Preach the greatest sermon ever. Preach a new way of love. Give hope to people. Confront the religious system. Be, be crowned king and messiah, but then crucified on a cross in a brutal way as she looks on and her heart breaks at the loss of her child's life. But then she could have never expected the joy of healing that her child had risen from the dead, appearing and ushering in a new way of life. That must have been so much more than even she could imagine or anticipate. She couldn't have expected any of these things, but she could trust God, and that trust turned into anticipation and hope for the son that she was carrying would do. She had hope that was fueled by trust and anticipation and not expectation. So what can we learn from Mary here? How can we be people whose hope is built on trust and anticipation and not expectation? Well, first of all, I think we need to be careful about what we think is going to happen in this pandemic and how we talk about it. It's, it's easy to turn our hope into wishful thinking these days and suddenly um, expect or talk about God acting in a certain way that almost sounds like wishful thinking and is rooted in expectation and not anticipation. I'll give some examples of this. Some may say or think God will just fix everything or heal everything soon. Well, God didn't promise that. We know that in our community. He didn't fix or heal everyone right away. That's expectation, not anticipation. Or we might say or think, oh, the, the pandemic will make us all better. Well, that may be true for some of us, but not all of us. Again, that's expectation, not anticipation. Here are a few more examples. We could be expecting a specific date for when the pandemic will all be over, or that everything will be back to normal once it is. We don't know those things. I mean, those are things that only God knows. We're not in control of that. And I actually think that not being in control of that gives us real hope. Real hope that God will move and show his love no matter what happens and no matter what the timing of this current pandemic looks like. What do we put our hope in? We put our hope in the fact that God will love us no matter what. And that really is the second point. We've talked about how we need to be careful not to think or talk about a certain thing away in this pandemic about the future. But second of all, the second point is that we need to put our hope first and foremost in God's love. Our hope is based in God's love. If it's based on God's love, it won't fail. The God who revealed himself in Jesus described his primary characteristic as love. And because of that, because he's all-knowing and all-loving, we can have hope for the future, whether that future is here on earth or in heaven. God loves us. He loves you and he loves me. And he loves humanity so much that he sent an angel to a teenage girl to give her hope and anticipation of what her child would do to teach love and change the world. And I hope that that gives us hope. As we look back at a God who loved humanity so much to send his son to, to be with us and die for us, we can have hope in a God who will continue to show his love today with his spirit and presence and by his movement. And I find we put that hope into a God who loves us without expecting a certain outcome, that 
is real hope. That's life-giving hope. We shouldn't expect God to work in a certain way, but we can anticipate that God will work in our lives through his love. That gives us hope. So friends, I'm hopeful. And the Apostle Paul was hopeful. Let me end with words from him in Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, he says. And endurance develops strength and character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Let's hold on to hope. Amen.